0: Well, hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. I really do hope that this conversation will add value to your life. A lot has changed in the last couple months. Before March, I had never heard the terms physical distancing or flattening the curve. And I've never in my life spent this much time at home. And I think that there's actually a lot that we can learn in these kinds of seasons. It's in some of the disruptions in life that we're able to gain clarity and focus. And uh, I don't know what your experience has been. I know some people have really suffered. I know some people have really thrived. Honestly, I'm somewhere in the middle. But today I wanna to talk to a really good friend of mine and a member of the Unspoken Conversation team, Dr. Andrew Blackwood, also known as Coach Drew, to, just to kind of mine out some of the wisdom that he's gleaned in the last little while. And Andrew has a really unique way that this season started for him. And so I'm just brimming with curiosity. I intentionally told him I don't want to hear this full story until the interview. So my reactions can be as raw as possible. So welcome, Coach Drew. Thanks so much for uh, for joining me. My pleasure. Alrighty, so before, like take us back to the end of February, the beginning of March. You had some exciting plans for the middle of March that you had been preparing for. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you were planning?
1: Sure, I'm at this stage of my life where just taking the limits off. If I have an idea, a thought, Inspired action that comes to me. I want to take it. I want to run with it um, And it's I guess it's a revolt against all of my self-limiting beliefs and all that stuff that I've held with me for so very long So I want to do more speaking. I want to impact more people So I decided you know what I want to go on this the speaking retreat um, to build my skills and get a little refresh Um, And, hey, why not write a book while I'm at it? And it was all about choices, how I make choices um, when I feel anxious because I've wrestled with anxiety in so many ways and phases of my life. So that's where I was, and that's, you know, I I went to Portugal. And then, while as I'm about to go, there's all this talk about COVID-19 and, you know, you know, like how it's impacting people and people should stay home and, you know, not go anywhere. At this point, there were no real firm laws or decisions made by governments yet. Um, So I decided to go
0: Yeah. And I remember talking to you on the phone. I don't know if it was like the day before you went, but inside of me, I'm thinking you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Like... Because, again, I'm the type that definitely gets anxious. And and I was just really feeling uncertain for you. And my prayer radar was definitely going pretty strong for you at that point. So you go. And I'm sitting here thinking, wow, like, I am super impressed that he's willing to take this risk. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would do it. But you right. went. Yeah. <laughs> you went. But then things changed again, because it was while you were gone, in the first couple days, I believe, that this was actually declared a pandemic, and laws started to change, restrictions started to be introduced. And so you're in Portugal, and now you're having to, funny enough, you know, talking about this book you wanted to write, now you're going to have to start making decisions again. So talk about the decision that you were faced with kind of as the situation was starting to evolve while you were in Portugal.
1: Yeah, so again, while I was there, things weren't firmed up yet. There was a lot of talk about um, what might happen in the days to come. Um, Canada's decisions on a governmental level followed, time-wise, followed uh, the U.S. So the U.S. started to close their borders and Flights were being canceled and the cost was going up. And um, so there was concern about, you know, would I be able to get back home? Do I cut my trip short? Because it wasn't a long trip. Uh, But do I cut my trip short and try to make my way back? Um, And the stress of that totally eclipsed any kind of relaxation I was going to have while I was there, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> um and i don't know who's listening but i i i i promise you i convinced myself that i had covid at least 20 30 times you know over the next few weeks so while i was there i'm i'm breaking into sweats and you know, I'm feeling cold. I'm doing all sorts of stuff in my body. I'm just like, oh my God, help me, help me. I have COVID, right? I can't even go home to my kids and bring this with me. So, um, you know, that said, with all the uncertainty around me, the only thing that was certain was me coming back to God. Like, God, you're the only one who knows what in the world is going on, what is going to happen. So it was an opportunity for me to listen to him. And he only said two words to me, fear not. Okay. I'm hoping for sentences. I'm hoping for (laughs) scriptures. I'm hoping for like a downloaded scroll from the heavens to like paint. the. No, I didn't get that. All I got was fear not. And, um, over the next couple of weeks, I learned more about what that meant and how to trust. And I'm still learning how to trust. Um, but even with those words, I kind of flipped in and out. I was listening, you know, um, to what my counterparts who were there were hearing because they're connected to different people all over the world. People had come from the states and different parts. So there were people who were, you know, connected into government. And so they were just giving some information. And my wife is, a A nurse um and she so she works front lines and she she understands the latest as far as what was happening at the time so i wasn't making decisions by myself um ultimately the decision always came down to what i would choose to do but um yeah so i had people you know give sharing their thoughts and their opinions about it um, prayerfully, I guess I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go back, um, in accordance with my, with my, with my plans, uh, because it really didn't make sense to rush to the airport that day because many people were rushing to the airport that day. So I would be just in an airport with many more people waiting without flights. So if it just seemed more likely that if I was gonna contract the virus, it would happen in that you know, panicked scenario. So I waited and I came back with my original flight and with the understanding that I would be self-quarantining uh, in my home for 14 days.
0: So just a couple things there, was the event that you were at canceled and you just had to wait around to go home at the original time or did your event continue? The event continued. Okay, so you were able to kind of finish out your trip, do the things that you had planned to do. Yes. And then, and I do find it interesting that you were talking about how you convinced yourself that you had it. And to be honest, and I'm really not trying to be, you know, unsensitive here, but the symptoms, especially in the early days, the symptoms were so similar to so many other things that like I, if I had like a little bit of a runny nose or, you know, I coughed because I ate too much pepper, like it had me scared and, and I'm being serious. Yeah. And, and and so that's I think one of the things that made this so much more fear, fear inducing for people because the symptoms are so common. It wasn't like, these symptoms were things that you knew for sure that you had it. Because like, we're hitting like allergy season, flu season was still going on. Like, I think that's really what created a lot of the fear. And so tell me a little bit more about some of those moments when you were convinced that you had it and then we'll kind of go from there.
1: Sure, it was it was back and forth and, um People are gonna know me really well by the end of this uh, conversation. Um, but I had lived such a busy life for many, many years uh, that I was really tired and burnt out by the time I got there. And I didn't realize you know, what kind of state my body was in. So a lot of the feelings that I had in that moment Um, it was burnout, but like you said, um, like the tightness of my chest, for example, when I get stressed out, I feel the tension in my back. I feel tightness in my chest because I slouch and I don't breathe properly. Um, so after months and months of that, like when I finally stopped, it's like the weight of all that stress for all those months kind of finally caught up with me, but it caught up with me during... COVID right and although I was in Portugal it was actually quite cold at night so um I would I was cold I had pain in my chest and then I would cover myself in blankets and then I would get hot so I'm thinking I'm cold I'm hot I'm cold and I'm hot I'm sweating I'm sick um but then I would kind of put you know two and two together, be like, okay, no, that explains that. That explains that. So I'd talk myself back down. And then at night, you know, when everything is quiet and still, that's when the brain starts to go up, you know, active and imagine all these worst case scenarios. And so then I would get worked up in my head and then I would talk myself down. Um, what was really helpful was the, the breath test, you know, where you breathe in and hold your breath for 10 seconds For me, I was holding my breath for 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, because I wanted to make sure I was okay. Um, So, you know, my symptoms, they would dissipate and I would be fine. I'd be relaxed again. And then at night, then I'd worry again. And then, you know, I'd remember what God said and I'd inquire what other people were saying. Um, So, yeah, my brain was just working and then, you know all those lessons that i was learning and writing about uh getting ready for the book yeah i was living them over again and again and again
0: and again well i want to be at the book release party because i think this is gonna be really good um and i and i really do connect with this andrew and i don't know about you guys watching right now but I remember in the first couple days, like when I first realized that this was serious and I'm working as a pastor. And so when the decision was made, you know, that we couldn't meet in person at, at our church, this was just so unprecedented. I remember going home and feeling sick for about four days. And I was afraid that I like that I got the virus and which at the time there were no confirmed cases where i was right right and so it was and these things like you were talking about it would dissipate and it would only you would only have the symptoms when you were thinking about it and right so it starts to kind of reveal that this is kind of our mind playing with us a little bit and and i don't want to i don't want to move away from that lightly because i feel like there's someone watching right now that has had that kind of thing play out. And you can hear from both of us that that happens, right? And you don't need to feel abnormal or you don't need to feel like there's anything wrong with you because that's going on because that happens to people. And uh, so I just want you to be encouraged by that, just by hearing the fact that that has happened to other people. You're not the only one that is experiencing that. Now, Let's continue this journey. You get to the airport, tell me about the flight.
1: Well, you know, it was really, uh, it was really nerve wracking, to be honest with you. Because going down, there were some concerns. People already, you know, if somebody coughed, you'd, you'd, you know, look over your shoulder and try to distance yourself. Um, But on the way back, it was even more so because almost everyone, if not everyone had masks on and the flight was over eight hours long. (laughs) So keeping a mask on for over eight hours was not comfortable. Um, But again, at that point I was, you know, bouncing back and forth. How am I doing? Because at no point did I have a fever, right? So, I think I took on the role more so of a curious, kind of reporter, observer kind of person, <laughs> and not just someone experiencing it. So I was just watching people. You know, some people were concerned. There were some kids there. You know, um, and then um, one, 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 one black gentleman. He said to me, "Black people don't get COVID." <laughs> <laughs> basically that's what you said i'm like okay <laughs> i'm gonna keep my mask on <laughs> um because you know i was hearing so many different theories from conspiracy theories to you know who you know susceptible and who's not um so it was really interesting and it was interesting to see you know with all the concerns that you know the things that were being put in place or not. When I got back to the airport here, you know I heard heard about screening. Um, so I thought, you know, hey, I'm gonna get a test when I get back, or somebody's gonna check my temperature or something. None of that happened. Um, I was, and again, I I came back around midnight, maybe 12:30. Um, so I was asked, you know, where I was coming from? Do I have a fever? Um, those That was the extent of the screening. Uh, so people were, some people were disappointed that there wasn't more happening, but perhaps there was more happening in the day. Maybe they had, um, you know, uh, medical personnel there, but-
0: uh, well, Because people don't get it at night either.
1: Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was, it was, the tension was high, but Honestly, I think so many people, they handled it so well, you know, everybody remained calm. Um, you know, everyone was polite and respectful. There was nobody who visibly seemed panicked. you know?
0: Right. And so I presume you got a ride home somehow.
1: Yes. I, I, I took, how did I get home? I can't, I think I, I think I Ubered home.
0: Okay. And yeah. so you're so you're heading home and you're now going home from with the understanding that you're not gonna be able to have physical contact with your wife, with your kids, and you know, you were preparing for this probably emotionally leading up to this. But so what was it like to just just in the moment that you arrived home. Like it was pretty late. Like I don't know if, if Aideen was awake or, or anything. So tell me about that moment of arriving at home.
1: Well, um, so the girls were away for the weekend at the, at our grandparents. So um, my lovely wife, Aideen, she brought things downstairs to the basement that I would need. Um, and we were, you know, talking over the phone. Um, and Yeah, I headed down to the basement, had everything that I I needed. Um, And I think the good thing is that I like my basement. At least I did, you know, at the beginning of the two weeks. (laughs) I liked it. It's always been a place that I love to retreat to and just be quiet down there. So on, on the one hand, you know, it was, I had already been away from home for several days, but then to you know, not be able to engage with my family. I I knew that would be tough. But on the other hand, I was saying, okay, this is going to be two weeks of, you know, some alone prayer time and whatnot. Um, so that's kind of how it started. Uh, but then again, with the stress and, you know, the burnout, I still had those physical kind of um, experiences that made me wonder, right? Right. right. Um, So I was looking into, you know, testing and whatnot, and um, because I was not in contact with anybody who was a confirmed case, they wouldn't even test me. They just, yeah, they just sent me home and said, okay, stay at home. Because if you come into the hospital where there are confirmed cases, you're more likely to contract it. Right. So I ended up just going home, following the instructions, and... um, praying and praying and praying and um, yeah. And then just feeling a greater sense as the days went on of what it meant to just really trust and know that I was gonna be okay. And to feel my body start to relax and decompress. And then I, I wanted to serve, I wanted to help. So I started doing stuff online, workshops and whatnot, not resting not a good idea but um yeah as as the days went by i was more and more less and less concerned about um whether or not i had it because i really didn't believe i did and then i you know then i was also aware that you could be an asymptomatic carrier so still trying to be as as careful as possible with an awareness that, you know, if you're in the same house and you go anywhere, you know, it's highly unlikely that, you know, you wouldn't be spreading it. So we were just always kind of talking and trying to be intentional about that. Um, It was it was difficult for the girls because they're still very young um, to not be able to hug me and kiss me. so that, that was tough on days, uh, but for the most part, they were happy I was home. They were aware, okay, the, the coronavirus, you know, we were talking about it. Um, and again, because my wife is a nurse, um, just the education around it was good. Um, they were out, out of school, right? So a lot was happening and changing, but... Like most children, they're very resilient. Um, I think it was more, much more difficult on the adults in our family than it was on the kids.
0: Right, and so I'm, I'm guessing there that your wife was preparing the girls when for okay, when dad comes home, he's not going to be able to hug you, you know, like things like that. Like, and so what would be some of the ways that you would recommend even communicating to children? about about this kind of situation,
1: yeah, I mean, I err on the side of being explicit, depending on the age and maturity level of the child and their you know unique developmental under- you know maturity and understanding um, so we used the terms, we talked about it, um, yeah, we didn't really hide anything about this. Particular topic, we, we just told them what it was,
0: right? And so you're in the basement. Um, how did you communicate with your family? Like, were you like phoning upstairs, or kind of tell me a little bit about the home experience during yeah, that we, time?
1: We do FaceTime for the most part until they had gone upstairs, um, and then I would come up if I had to break something, and you know, so. Thankfully, I was able to still work. At work home. Um, yeah, so we use technology. We, we use technology until my, um, my mind. You, it wasn't perfect. Sometimes they would just run up to me and, and my leg, you know. Um, but outside of that, we use technology uh, to our advantage.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because I remember thinking when you had told me that you were coming home and you were going to have to, to quarantine for 14 days and all of this. And I'm thinking to myself, is it even possible to stay in your house for 14 days? And then in, in some ways, the rest of us had to do a version of that at some point, right? If you weren't a frontline Mm -hmm. worker, um, a lot of people, if for no other reason than they had nowhere to go, were ended up being in their homes. And so, in some ways, and I think one of the things for me about this is I normally feel like a real intense need to go out. And and I don't know if it's like a fear of missing out or whatever that might be around that, but I didn't, I haven't felt any of that because. I kind of have that understanding that there's nowhere to go.
1: <laughs>
0: right? So it's not like I'm missing it and I don't know if maybe that's how how other people feel but I I I don't know I, I this is a, just a strange situation and I don't want to make light of the suffering I really don't but I I also believe that if we can learn from this, we can benefit from this. And I do believe that 10, 20 years from now, you know, we're going to be talking about this situation. Where were you in the spring of 2020? I do believe that that's going to be a conversation that's going to be on our minds for a very long time. So as we wrap up, you've shared some really great stuff about, uh, you know, fear not and having having a moment with God. And, And that is just great right? Because a moment with God will change your life. And I do very much believe that. Are there any other tips or things that you learned when you were in your basement by yourself for those 14 days that you'd like to share with our viewers today?
1: Sure. The reality that faith is like everything else, it's progressive. Is something that we invest in continually and perpetually. I thought, you know, if I had enough faith that I would never have fear. And I realized that fear is something that comes and we get to respond to it. Um, So to not think it's strange when it does come, but to be aware that we don't function well in an environment of fear, right? Um, I used to think that whole... Scriptural reference of, you know, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and soundness of mind. I used to think of, you know, a spirit as an entity as opposed to an environment, a culture, um, one that we can, you know, fuel, right? Or be fueled by other things. So um, I limited my exposure to media. Like I stopped listening, I stopped talking to people who um, were, you know, paying attention to the numbers, and like I just, I just stopped. And I wouldn't say I instantly felt better, but I progressively felt better because I wasn't, you know, fueling my own thoughts or letting that stuff in. Um, so, you know, about and again, repeating to myself, and we started to unpack what does it mean. If God tells me, fear not, why would he tell me that? Then it gave me a chance to dig in. Oh, okay. Well, because he, he knows that I'm okay. Oh, well, I'm going to be okay. And for me, it was whether or not I have it or not. I'm going to be okay. Right? So right. That, that, was, that was an important thing for me. Although I don't know the future, I could still be able to rest. I didn't need all the details to be able to, to rest and be okay um, and to really trust um trust what he had had told told me um so that those were some those were some big points for me um i'm great that i witness of how the thoughts impact the emotions and the emotions impact the body so it was helpful knowing that um and yeah it was helpful to connect with people who were supportive and loving, encouraging, um, yeah, reading things that were uplifting, watching things that were encouraging, or just being quiet and being still, so it was a, it was a balance of all those things, I did eventually start to be, you know, I wouldn't say I was quite stirred, but I was ready to be out of that basement, <laughs> I, was, I, I ran out of there on, on day 14 like. Yes. You know. And now
0: you're on your back deck. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really do appreciate you sharing this. And I think that this has really given people, the situation has given people a pers- a new perspective on suffering and what, you know, how things can can crash. And I was just reflecting on this idea in the very beginning of, of this crisis that, you know, I was talking to people about how much I don't know, how much I can't predict the future, how much I don't know what's really gonna happen. And then I started thinking back, you know, in the old days, growing up in church, I used to hear people say, these are my plans, Lord willing. And I used to always think that was really weird because it's like, well, Are you going to do it or not? Like it it just, I didn't quite get it, but I've really been able to, at least for me, grab a hold of that idea that Lord willing, and it's not that all of a sudden in March of 2020, we stopped knowing the future. The fact of the matter is we never did. You know, we, a lot of times we had the grace of our plans working out the way we thought they would. But the reality is we don't actually know. But as believers in Jesus, we have the ability to find refuge and to find that safe place with the one that does know and the one that does have control of everything. So there's a great song and the chorus says this many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand but I know who holds tomorrow, right? That to me has been something I have really grasped onto. And it sounds like for you as well, that this has actually been a faith building experience. This has been something that is doing a deep work in your soul.
1: 100%, 100%. And, you know, as much as the, Political and even racial climate now, with all that's going on, in the world and around the world, is just seemingly intensified. It's interesting that um, COVID impacted the world, and in a, in some sense, it, it united us. It, yeah. it made us think about the common human experience. Um, you know. COVID is respecter of no, per, you know, is a respecter of no, per, you know, no people like, you know, politicians and, you know, people of all social societal strata, they, they were impacted, you know? Um, so on some level, I really appreciated how our humanness became apparent and how much, my estimation um we really like you said don't have control we can't see the future um but we can trust we can trust god to take care of us you know so that's that's the biggest learning for me that i'm still repeating you know that's what i i'm still learning to hold on to my confidence is not in myself it is in god and his plan and his help and his purpose, you know, that, you know, he started this work in me and in you, um, and he'll bring it to completion. So I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful for you, uh, Jordan. I love with you, Uh, public conversations. You're a wonderful conversationalist. You care, you know, you ask really great questions and you listen so well. so thank you for all that you do and how you how you serve in, in various roles, but um, particularly in this one and in bringing conversations uh, to to people. So thank you for that.
0: Thank you so much, my friend. I really appreciate this conversation. But again, I also really appreciate you. And uh, I think there's there's more to be talked about. There's more to be learned. But I want to take a moment and pray. Because there is a lot of suffering in this world. There is a lot of, you mentioned racial tensions. There's a lot of division in the world right now. And I just want to take a moment and I'll pray. And then I'd like you to close and uh, just to pray for our world right now. And so Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the one that we can trust, that you are the one that we can rely on. And if COVID-19 has taught us anything, it's how we are not in control. And so, God, I pray that you will do your work. I have talked to so many people that have experienced so much with you in the last couple months that, God, I pray that you would deposit those things deep in our hearts, that we will not forget the work that you have done in us in this season. But I also pray that you eradicate this virus in a miraculous way, that this is a destructive. Virus that is killing people that you love. And so God, I pray that however you choose to work through this situation and however you decide that this virus will come to an end in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for unity. As in the beginning, I I remember thinking that it was so encouraging to see how people from all ends of the political aisle we're rallying around the fact that we need to protect our communities. But now as different provinces and different states and different countries are making different decisions, we're starting to see some division and we're starting to see questioning. And, and, that, and God, I just pray for unity. I pray that even if we don't agree, and even if we voice disagreement, that we would have a spirit of charity and we would have a spirit of compassion In the way that we communicate and when we think about racial tensions in our world right now God again I know you love every person and I pray that you will stamp out this racism this evil of racism that is taken has taken hold in so many hearts and in ways that people don't even realize so God Bring your peace, bring unity to us as we move forward, as we, as a world, seek to recover from the challenges that we've dealt with this year. Because I know that you have the power and I know that you have the compassion to guide us through this. Oh Lord, please hear our prayer.
1: You know, Lord, we've seen firsthand what fear can do, how it can separate us from you, separate us from each other. But even in the separation, you're still speaking. You're still calling to us. You're still showing yourself to us. And I pray that we would hear clearly And that we would turn to you and allow the the light and the love that you shed abroad in our hearts to, to cast out all fear, but also help us to see where we can turn, turn to you, and then turn to each other so that we can love each other, so that we can be and give the best of ourselves. other because that's what you call us to do you call us to be light and salt in the earth to love each other to love our neighbors and you know love you so thank you for your unfailing love we thank you for your peace that passes all understanding we thank you that our trials our tribulations even our suffering it is an opportunity to experience comfort from you and comfort others. So help us not to miss the opportunities of these of these times. Help us to see them and to seize them. And continue to learn, heal, and grow. We thank you for your company. Thank you for being with us, leading and guiding us for these wonderful things. We say thank you, in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, my friend. And thank you to everyone else that was watching today. We'll see you later.